hello and welcome to the Write for Your Life podcast, a show about creative writing, copywriting, reading, and the ever-changing publishing industry. Bandwidth for November has been provided by Cashfly, the fastest, most reliable CDN in the business. Cashfly delivers all of our content here at 5x5, and they really are fantastic. Check them out at cashfly.com, that's C-A-C-H-E, fly, and let them know you heard about them here on 5x5. I'm Ian Brew. And I'm Donna Sorensen. And we are we are about to record our two-parter, the second of our two-parter. You, the first of the two-parter was last week. That makes scientific sense. <laughs> and um, and uh, and and it's action packed. There was lots of stuff that we didn't talk about last week that we're going to talk about right now. Absolutely, loads of stuff. And I was thinking, you know, how we finished off last episode talking about Amazon's recommended books or frequently bought with. Mm. Um, uh, I was wondering whether you had ever done the um, the exercise of getting someone to like your um, Twitter profile and then finding out who Twitter says is like you, like similar profiles to you. I found that very interesting when I saw who it was Twitter was recommending after people followed me. Have you d- done that before? Um, no, not, not, not consciously. Because it says a lot about what Twitter thinks you are giving to the world via Twitter. So what? Um, you should do it. Everybody, everybody should do it. You should get someone to follow your Twitter profile and then see, because afterwards it says if similar to, and then your Twitter profile. Um, it was eye-opening. But, uh, yeah. Well, well, come on, you need to tell us more than that. Who, who, uh, who, uh, who? Twitter was recommending <laughs> um, people that um, I'd worked with in the past, people who were interested in writing obviously but they were also recommending uh poetry journals and things so they just basically i think were grabbing onto the poetry idea but um i still think it's an interesting exercise to do even though i wasn't massively inspired by who they are obviously i wanted them to say you know claudia schiffer and cindy crawford and stuff like that you know from if you the, like donna you'll the like these people <laughs> yes oh dear if i had to name a a supermodel, a young one under the age of 25, I don't think I could. Is the concept of the supermodel still uh, in use? Yes. Yes, yes. Really? Sure it is. Lily Cole, there you go. Um, okay. Anyway, that is a complete tangent again. Um, that was just a little thing I think everyone should go and do to find out how, how they are being perceived online I by have, the robots that control what we see. I have recently done that because I've had to set up a, a Twitter account for the uh, exciting um, book-related startup that I'm uh, uh, that I'm C- CEO of. <laughs> mm. Yeah, that's like a, that's a worst announcement ever, uh, <laughs> and I'm not going to say any more than that. But uh, I did have to do that. Um, I set up a new, a new Twitter account, and obviously I followed myself. They all, you know, every little helps, and. Um, <laughs> And uh, and I did I did go through that process, but I didn't take particular care. It is usually about people um, you know in real life. I've noticed. I don't know whether they kind yeah. of have a quick look at Facebook as well while they're at it, just to see who you actually know. Yes, I know. It's very scary, isn't it? That um, that what they think about us, these robots. Blooming robots. Robots. Um, I was just going to. Um, uh, feedback about something I was talking about a few weeks ago about the National Poetry Competition. The deadline uh, just passed at the end of last month. And I had said, oh, I've got a week to, to write a poem. And you'd said, go for it. And I was really 
up for actually producing something specifically for it because I felt that I had to. And I was just going to let everybody know that I didn't, of course, write anything for it. Um, but I was very interested about my reaction to having this big deadline because I thought I was a writer that enjoyed a deadline to help kick me up the the watsy woo. Um, and actually, I just, in that week, I was just like, this is ridiculous. Of course, I'm not going to write anything for the National Poetry Competition. Um, forget it. Let it go. Just let it go. And as soon as I did that, it just opened a door of creativity again. And the day after the deadline for the poetry competition had passed, I wrote a poem that I'm very, very proud of. I haven't finished editing it yet. But um, I've, I just felt so free. Um, and I was very surprised at that. I thought that I would have actually had the opposite effect. I think that it's. I think it's in something I've, I've found the lot. The older I've got, the way my life has changed as I've got older, um, and the way that I've had to adjust my writing life. I think that things that motivated, and I think I'm. St- I think this is uh, something that I've really struggled with, to, to be honest, um, is things that would previously motivate me. Um, uh, don't really exist anymore, or just aren't aren't the same. And um, and I need to try and adapt to that. So it sounds like you may have gone through an experience where perhaps previously deadlines were a really motivating motivating factor for you, mm. and um, and and now perhaps they're not. And that could be for a whole number of reasons. It could be because you you know you now have children. It could be that you're in a different country. You're not in as in, in a writing community in the way that you once were. Um, and and one of the hardest things I think about being a writer at all is is understanding how you work best and and um, and listening to podcasts like this and to reading blog posts about people reading mm. books on creativity fine but acknowledging that actually wh- whatever anyone suggests there is probably a way for you that is is best and not not only that it might change. And I think that's something that I've definitely struggled with, but it sounds like that you may have stumbled upon something. Yeah, absolutely. And I think I have come to realise that it's a reaction partly to the fact that I write to deadlines, big deadlines, with a lot of pressure every day at work and that I don't need that in my private creative sphere because it's too much like work. I think, I, you know, this is my space for enjoying writing um, and I obviously just subconsciously want to protect that um actually this links into something else i was going to mention which was um well to lead into this i have to say that this week i went to the cinema by myself have you done that before i've never been to the cinema on my own oh well i have been on a number of occasions i in i do get something out of it i do get a lot out of it actually i think it's very cool thing just to go and sit there and ponder on your own but um i went to the cinema this week to see a film because I'd heard the book was extremely good or a massive bestseller. Um, and that was what drew me to the film. And I, I did enjoy the film uh, greatly. And I wanted to learn a little bit about the writer afterwards. I went to see Gone Girl by Gillian Flynn. You've probably heard of it. Uh, I know the book and I know that it's been turned to turn into a film. I know that I think that the film has caused some controversy. Is, is there a difficult scene in there? Is that right? Well, if you watch Game of Thrones, nothing's difficult. So, no, I'm a big Game of Thrones fan and I thought that there was nothing (laughs) controversial. There's a big twist. 
there are a couple of big twists and I love the twist because and I won't do a spoiler here um they were they were not hollywood um and they just what I what I liked about this was that it just it it was just seemed like very real it was absolutely outrageous obviously everything that happened but just you could there were elements of it that you could relate to in normal life especially about marriage and relationships and things like that um, but anyway, what I wanted to say about this was that uh, Gillian Flynn, who wrote this, this was her third book, um, which has obviously gone absolutely ginormously huge. Um, and when I was reading a little bit about her, uh, she um, said something interesting about the fact that she attributed her craft to 15 years in journalism. Um, so when you're talking about the fact that, you know, the way that you approach your writing and what works for you. She said, I could not have written a novel if I hadn't been a journalist first, because it taught me that there's no muse that's going to come down on you and bestow upon you the mood to write. You just have to do it. I'm definitely not precious. I know that's something you um, very much uh, appreciate as a sentiment, that there is no muse. Um, But yeah, I thought that was an interesting perspective that, you know, as a journalist, you're just sitting down and you just got to s- suck it up and write. This is true. And um, uh, there's a distinction to be made here because I repeatedly have got annoyed at the advice uh, that people give to just write. So uh, there's a distinction to be made here between two things, which is... Um, that piece of advice where people just say, if you want to write, just write. I say, well, hang on a minute. What if you've got two two year old twins and you can't, you know, that you have to feed them? And <laughs> you know, there's. I don't. I don't believe that um, it's necessarily helpful to keep forcing that message of just write down people's throats. People know that they already know that if they want to write, they actually have to do it. It's not that useful as a piece of repetitive, forceful advice. Um, that is what she's saying, but it, it's, there's some context here which I very much endorse. It's the idea that um, not about not having a muse. And my very first blog post on Write for Your Life way back when was called uh, "Writers Abandon Your Muses." There's no such thing, or something like that. <laughs> something on those lines. Um, mm. And it's the idea that people people don't write because they look at writing as something other than a very kind of manual labour craft-like process which is what it is it's it's uh it's not something that magically happens you don't magically have ideas um you have those ideas because you think about things because <laughs> you put yourself in positions where you have some time to think about things um so i do think that there is two that there is a distinction to be made between people who go if you want to be a writer just write and people who say writing is basically about writing it's not about some sort of magical uh, journey or or kind of flash of inspiration that happens to you. I think more that she's saying here is that she's saying that you know there are things that you can do in your life that will make you able to write. If you are a journalist by trade and you're you know you develop a skill for writing for deadlines, that's something which is very useful. Um, and I, I I thought that was the interesting part to this. You know the fact that like I I am a, a writer in the daytime who has to write for deadlines and I'm obviously like reacting or pulling against that at the moment but I think that it is a skill that I do know that if I 
if if I have to write something, I'm going to write it. I guess at the moment, I don't feel like I have to. So that's why I'm not doing it. Um, but I do think definitely it's a skill to be able to to sit down and, and just bash something out. Yeah, and having uh, having a, some other form of writing experience. So she has 15 years in journalism and um, I do the maths. I'm coming up to about 12 or 13 years as a copywriter or copy editor in, in, in one way or another. And uh, it's it's informed my fiction and creative writing beyond measure it's uh, I, I wouldn't be one without the other i know that it's 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 an ability to 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 edit to understand words and to understand sentences so one of the one of the things because i do sometimes believe it or not get emailed uh, by people who ask um who ask about how to get into writing and how do you how do i become a writer how where do i start and i do give them the advice which is just write but I try to be more specific. I would always say, um, and uh, you know, try and find out what sort of, what sort of experience they have, and say, you know, start writing some short stories to start putting together like a, a portfolio of, of of work. You know, treat it a bit more like a job application. We were talking about this last week. Um, you know, actually um, uh, uh, write whatever it is that you're interested in writing, write more of them and you will get better. Um, or I will say things like, you know, start a literary magazine. So start publishing other people's writing um, and seeing what, you know, kind of see how other people write, join a, join a writing group. There's so many different things that you can do, but it's that, that immersion is what's really important. So even though my writing, creative writing, my second novel has been slow progress because I have the boys, um, uh, and you know we've covered that enough. Um, at the same time, I've spent the last two years writing. I've worked, I've worked as a for the last few months as a as a freelance copywriter, and before that, I was uh, d- doing similar sorts of things. So, you know, it's a constant thing, and I know that's not everyone is in that position. It's not essential to be a, a writer professionally, but to be immersed in a world is really important, and you can do that by either writing your own stuff as much as possible or by doing other writing-related projects. And all my little writing-related projects, including this podcast and including the blog, uh, including Words Aloud, the spoken word that I did, including the literary magazine that I did, all of those things made me a better a better writer because I was immersed in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that's really important. This episode of the Write for Your Life podcast is sponsored by Squarespace. You've heard us talk about Squarespace before, but we have big news because they just came out with a new version, Squarespace 7, and they've made everything simpler and easy to use while still retaining the power and complexity of the Squarespace platform you already know. Squarespace 7 refines all the powerful features from Squarespace 6 into one seamless, unified experience. They've uncluttered your workspace, simplified the whole website-making process by letting you add content and customise your design all in one window. You're going to spend even less time building your site and more time doing what you love. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code WRITE. That's W-R-I-T-E. There are some great new features with Squarespace 7, like cover pages. Sometimes you just need a simple page to communicate your personal brand, promote a new product like a book or ebook, or announce your latest album. With cover pages, you get all of the power of Squarespace on a single beautiful page. 
Squarespace has also partnered with Getty Images to bring you Getty Images integration. Get access to over 40 million professional stock photographs that ordinarily cost hundreds, sometimes thousands of dollars per image. Now they're available for just $10 an image, just to Squarespace customers. Squarespace 7 also has the new tastemaker templates. Squarespace is working with cool musicians, artists, architects and chefs to develop new templates that cater to each profession. Use the same designs as the world's most influential people, then customise them to make them your own. So, go and get started with a free trial, no credit card required, and start building your website today. When you sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code RIGHT to get 10% off and to show your support for Right for Your Life. So, thank you to Squarespace for their continued support of 5x5 and Right for Your Life. That's Squarespace, a better web, starts with your website. Is it time for a listener's question? Why not, eh? Yeah, we've got two this week. Is that not the case? Yes, tell me, Donna, who's the... We've got one by uh, Henrik, uh, who goes by At The Nose Best, but I'd like to do that one second. Donna, could you tell me who the first (laughs) listener's question is by? Yes, our first listener's question is via Twitter um, from a chap with a fantastic name. Um, It's amazing. At Eunice Poopoo. Now, I have completely mispronounced that. And seriously, if you're listening to this, you just need to if, send me sorry, a tweet. If, if who's listening to it? <laughs> if, no, because, see, I'm not saying it to be funny. That's actually how I would say it if I had to, if I was at gunpoint, which I literally am right now. I'm at metaphorical gunpoint in front of all our listeners being told to pronounce Eunice Poo Poo. So I'm doing it, but... Please do tweet me and tell me how you actually pronounce your name because I'm. It could be Papu. I would. Well, the spelling is. Uh, well, first of all, we say that uh, Eunice is uh, Finnish, and it's fantastic that we have listeners in Finland. So very warm welcome. Yes, uh, yes and thank you for tweeting us your question. Yeah, thank you, Eunice. And um, and I would. I th- I think your surname is pronounced Pupo because there is only one O. Um, but uh, I will say that I'm talking directly to Eunice now that uh, Donna will if possible, go for the gag. So, um... <laughs> oh, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. As to say, I see the world from um, a unique perspective. Can we say that instead? You, I'm not, you, I'm not. You're welcome to, welcome to defend yourself however you want. I'm not a whoopee cushion, you know, I'm not a gag machine. <laughs> Are you going to Okay, I'll ask the question. It's a great question, by the way. I really love the question. Yeah, and it's... it's um, it's something that I don't think I've ever thought about before. Um, do you ever pay attention to typography when you read or write brackets type? Um, well, I, I I do and I have. I think it's a great question. Uh, what, do, what do you reckon first? Um, I, I guess I do. I have a, a favourite font and font size when I'm writing poetry and I notice if it's not in that. And that, that I think that's more... Um, habit like you know setting your your space up in the way that you want or doing your little rituals I think finding my font and the right font size um just adds a bit of consistency to what I'm doing it makes me feel secure in my creative space which is a bit funny um but other than that I, I'm I don't like play around with with typography or anything like that when I'm writing um Obviously, I, it needs to be functional and I don't do anything f- fancy. And I never would send anything off 
in in um a distracting fancy font i think that's that's absolutely yeah so what what's you get what, being what, published if you do that what's the what's your font of choice for writing in calibri so the, just the box standard box standard and it just you know sans serif all that kind of stuff it's just really really plain and simple and it doesn't distract you from what is actually being said but I wouldn't choose another basic sans serif font. It has to be that one because I, I need, as I said, I need to see it and know that it's it's a poem going into my own, you know, works, my own collection of, of poems that I've gathered up over my life. Well, I think you and millions of other people will probably be using the same font just because it's the one that you get when you open the default document in Word. <laughs> I know. So, um... But I have, oh, I've opened things and I've, gone to different fonts and stuff and i've just been like no 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 it has to go back uh do you do you uh, change change the font size um as, no actually as i said i well i change it to make sure that it is as as all my other poems have been i can't remember what that is but um but so, yeah well how do you how do you if you don't know what it is how do you how do you visually check visually what do you mean i mean visually? i couldn't tell you what the num can tell you what whether it was 11 or 12 but i know if i'm on 11 if it looks too small that it's 12 why didn't you open a, a document from a previous poem oh for five minutes not okay. now i didn't do it now but oh why? i thought i was actually gonna do it now no but why don't i don't, I don't, I don't need it. to is what i'm saying because i can immediately see if it's the same that's what well, i how mean do you know how zoomed in you are <laughs> I, I don't ever change the zoom settings I'm always so, 100% so your answer to this typography question is that whatever word gives you when you open it up, that's what you use, and that's your favourite. No. Have you even tried no. any of the fonts? No, my, que- my, my answer is, is that back when I started and I was, you know, um, uh, impressionable, I, I started on the absolute bog standard basics, and now I need that bog standard basic because it makes me feel secure. Does that make me a bad person, a bad writer? <laughs> And you know what? People don't want to receive manuscripts in fancy different fonts. They just don't. So, well, then that, that, that's uh, that may lead on to what I'm going to say because in my day, and I don't know if this is still the case. It's been a few years since I've been on submission. But, You're scratching uh, thing out with a quill. <laughs> no, but people did want um, double space uh, times New Roman twelve point. That was double space. I remember that as well. It was yeah, ridiculous. Yeah. Absolutely, crazy. it ridiculous. looked it looked awful. Um, yeah. But that's what that's what was generally generally asked for by agents and what have you. And you would, uh, and this is I, I assume, for goodness' sake, surely most uh, most agents and publishers will just have you know be happy to receive it by email these days. I might be wrong about that, but I don't know. But it certainly wasn't the case a few years ago when I was submitting, and um, and so you'd have to kind of. You know, you'd look at um, the, your paper. It's not cheap. This paper business, and you have to double space it all, and um, and and that would get. You know, you'd send those off big wadges of of uh, of your novel or whatever it might be. Um, and uh, but I, I would never write like that. I would never write in that in those awful conditions. Mm, um, yeah. I have a couple of uh, anecdotes. Uh, we'll talk, one's an anecdote. The other one's just. Uh, um, an answer to the question. So I do pay attention to typography. Um, I pay attention when I read. Absolutely, definitely. I will. I've pretty much got to the stage where if a book, it doesn't matter if it's a long book. Don't mind a long book, but if the type is tiny, um, and if the line spacing is is tiny as well, 
I just know I'm not going to be able to read the book, and it's because I get tired very easily because I'm busy and have children and all this kind of thing. And I just I know it's not the case, and it doesn't need to be that way, you know. Not every book is Middlemarch, and um, and and so I, I don't fully understand why people are still printing, um, especially now that the world is much more savvy and understands accessibility much better, and we know that people have difficult. You know, difficulty with the you know eyesight and all that kind of thing. I don't know why we still have small typefaces um, or sorry small font sizes in uh, uh, in books. So I it does matter. It does I do pay attention to it. Some books and I can think of Nathan Filer for any of the show Shock of the Fall. The type changes in the book um, because the or the author the narrator first person uh, goes from writing. On a type, on a word processor, to a typewriter, or something like that, and it follows. You know, it's actually fundamental to the book. Um, and there are lots of other. I think Ali Smith has a book that does something similar. So the typography is really important. When I write um, uh, the first book, I think I wrote in the in the. I was using Word, and I wrote in the Times New Roman conditions. Always, uh, always one and a half spaced. Never single spaced. That's too close. Double space is crazy. So always one and a half space for me. Um, uh, that was what I did then, because that was kind of what I was going to uh, submit it with. Submit with. I think I think I refused to do the double type actually. The double the uh, double line spaces. I uh, I went for one and a half instead because that's what I was writing in. At the moment, I'm working. Uh, I do a lot of like the blog posts. Any sort of small form writing I do, I use an app called Byword and I use Incansalatas um, and I think it's quite a big type and because I've got quite a big screen now um, uh, it's all quite big and that's kind of a bit typewritery kind of a bit courier new but much more sexy and interesting um, and uh, I'm using I think I'm using the same with a novel too um, But would you send it to your agent in that form? Well, I won't send it like that, but because I use Scrivener, I believe you can output, whatever you've got on your screen, however you write it, you can output it into a different font. So you click a button and it compiles your work and it outputs in a different font, I think. Mm. Um, so I, I, plan to, I plan to do that. My anecdote, if I can call it that, is this was, a, this was an issue for me when I was getting my novel through the publication process. Um, so... I can tell you now, I don't know the point size, but I, it looks at around 11 or 12. Um, but the novel, uh, my novel, the paperback, uh, which is the only back, uh, paperback? Sexy back. Paperback writer. That's what I was thinking. So Who sang that, Ian? Paperback writer. Paper, mm. Paperback writer. Uh, it was the Beatles. Good. Carry on. Um... So I, uh, uh, I, it's Times New Roman, my novel. It's Times New Roman. Couldn't believe it. And I, I said to, I said to my publisher, "Is there any, is there any chance this can be in a slightly more pleasant font than <laughs> Times New Roman?" I said, "It." I was very polite, and uh, they said no. <laughs> but the reason, the reason they said no, which is I, I, I do understand. And uh, and I did, you know, I kind of I didn't put up much of a protest, uh, was because they that was what they decided was their house style that all legend books would be done in Times New Roman eleven or twelve point. I'm not sure what it is, but if it'd been me, it would be a slightly sexier font, and um, and definitely uh, bigger, a bigger point size. 
They sound like a company full of people like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the way they're going to do it, and it, it feels good. That's what came on screen. That's what we're using. <laughs> yep. Ariel, cool. you must be joking. <laughs> Witchcraft. Wow, I think that's amazing that we got so much juice out of typography. Juicy typography. I like typography. I've got a design-related mind in the sense that I worked in the industry for a few years. I quite like talking about typography. I Can I just talk- say that I like typography as well, and that's that's a different thing, though. You know, I do like sexy-looking letters, but I just don't write in them. Yeah, I'm not having a go. I wasn't trying to say that I was better than you. No, but you did say, basically, you, like a million other people, are just like writing in the bog standard, whatever word gave you. Yeah. Yeah. It's true, but, it's true uh, though, I, isn't it? I do like, it's true. But I, as I, I, I also appreciate a, a good-looking letter. Have you ever tried writing in another font? Of course I have, but I find this is what I like. So now when I'm writing my poems, I switch back to that. Which one did you try? Which, one, which, which fonts have you tried? Come on, I tried them all on that list, even the wingdings. <laughs> <laughs> you're, not, you're not poetry's like, you could probably write something in wingdings and get it published. Ah, <laughs> oh, the first time everyone tried wingdings, everywhere they were like, what? Why? Anyway. <laughs> right then, let's go to the second listener's question. <laughs> oh my goodness. By the way. I wasn't holding the wong dogger in the right way. That's the why wong dogger. <laughs> it went all wrong. Um, By the way, what? Uh, by the way, there's been some minor interest in the idea of a listener's question Christmas single. I know. And yes, I got very excited. I was imagining us, I wanted to do actually as a video and we would get, we would find the worst Christmas jumpers we could find and we would sit next to a fire with our legs like crossed, looking slightly away from the camera and sing. I I had it all set up in my mind. Yeah, I was more concerned about the possibility of actually getting a song before before we got that far. But I think it's possible, because I know people. I know people who make music. I know people who are very good at making music and can produce music. And if I said to them, uh, we have this song... (laughs) (laughs) I say, say, they'll say, uh, you know, oh, just... Can you play as the verse, and I, I will. I'll play them. I'll play it back. I will play it. I'll, you, 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 you do it. I'll, this is what I'll play to them. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> no, no, no. You, you can't write more material now. <laughs> <laughs> I was just. I wanted to go off and go. Like build on it, but yeah, I'll do that later. You want me just to do the bog standard? Listen, question. Yeah, basically, I think that's all. That, that's the song. That's that's what we have. That's the material we can provide. But if we did provide it to someone who knew what they were doing, maybe we could write a verse. Maybe we could add a little bit of something here and there. Pass it on. Pay someone to produce it on the cheap. Potentially crowdfund it um, on the cheap. And I'm not talking like a ten thousand pound Kickstarter thing. I'm talking, you know, maybe fifty quid or something like that or 100 quid and then maybe we could then sell it get it produced properly so that it was a proper song and wasn't just like Flog it. me in me in um garage band like a loon for for a month ruining my life because it's all I did badly uh, get someone to do it properly pay them a small sum uh, which would be the crowdfunded and then sell it um and give the money to charity Sounds amazing. I'm just like, I mean, if people are anything like me, which you just said that everybody's like me because we're all using bog standard rubbish fonts. um, I wouldn't, I would, I would rather, I'd pay not to hear 
that that <laughs> jingle on a loop. So maybe that's how we should build this up when we actually pitch it. That you know, pay, and then you won't have to hear it. Well, I, th- I think <laughs> I think you're doing yourself a disservice here because. <laughs> Uh, it's a it's a fantastic song. It's got a wonderful melody, and I think that the, we can build around it and get someone to do it properly. And we can, you know, we can we can uh, raise all sorts of money for all sorts of wonderful projects. If anyone listening, if anyone is, if anyone is listening, um, <laughs> if anyone listening thinks that they would like to go this very strange and obscure route to giving money to charity, then get in touch. Let us know, and let's make it happen. Absolutely. Great. I can't wait to get using the Wonger Donger for a good cause. Should we answer the second listener's question? What is it? Well, it's around how to handle insecurity, and it's from Henrik at The Knows Best. I cannot make myself right unintrospectively for the fear of sounding too presumptuous. Yes. I, I'm not really sure about the second part of that sentence, the fear of sounding too presumptuous. I'm not really sure what he means, but um, handling insecurity and I can't, I cannot make myself right unintrospectively, um, by which I think he means that he, he writes introspectively. Um, uh, they are answerable questions. They're not necessarily necessarily solvable problems. Is it? I mean, are we talking about the fact that, like, you know, Henrik here... Um, hi, Henrik. By the way, hello. I can ask you directly, Henrik. Are you talking about the fact that you you don't feel secure enough to write not as yourself? Yes. <laughs> okay. Cool. Yeah. As not as in the handling insecurity in terms of feedback and other things which we have talked about before. But this is no, this is the first just... one. <laughs> Great. Oh, good. Glad we cleared that up. Thanks, Henrik. No problem. Um, <laughs> That is a very. I think, I think it's a really good question because there are, I think a lot of writers. If you actually look at the, especially the first things they've written, there is always a little bit of themselves in it, or something from their past, or something from where they come from. Like I was just talking about Gone Girl, and um, and I just found out that Gillian Flynn came from um, Missouri, where it's where this is actually set. And I thought, oh, it's funny, isn't it? Like you do. A lot of writers, even though they could be writing about something absolutely outrageous, you seem to always be able to come back to something that is related to them or their own life or something that they can bring to it. Don't you think? Yeah, so you're talking about the introspection side of the question here. Yeah, well, I mean, I think the insecurity bit is that, like, you know, you, maybe if you don't feel that you're you're good enough or experienced enough to be able to write as somebody else entirely... Like, I guess it would be me writing about, you know, from writing a novel about um, a man with... I uh, See, again, I immediately think of rude things to say about private parts. It's absolutely ridiculous the way my brain works. But, yeah, to write something about that, you know, am I secure enough about my abilities as a writer to write a novel about, um, <laughs> <laughs> again, men, hairy bits and stuff like that? What are you... How have you taken... <laughs> I don't even... Do you not see what talk- we've talked about this would, before? I don't think that's the question. I don't think that's what's being asked here. But you just said yes. It's not. I think Come that on. how to handle insecurity. I think it's this is about the insecurity of of um, of, uh, of 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 confidence. It's about confidence and about about kind of writing in a way that that is introspective and you and and it's you find it difficult to um, uh, to kind of 
I don't know, potentially share with the world and, and, and kind of to write in a way that's more um, uh, outward facing and, uh, and, and the insecurity of, of not of, um, of, of sharing, of not knowing whether it's, it's, it's good enough. Always, you know, it's a confidence issue. I don't think but it's about, that's, that's, I don't think this is about. opposite though, because he said, it, it's not, he's not saying he can't bring himself to write introspectively because he's worried about exposing certain things. He's saying he can't bring himself to write unintrospectively. Yeah, that's no. the exact opposite of what you've just said. All I'm saying is, I don't think this has got anything to do with Henrik's genitals. <laughs> well, it never has got anything to do with poor Henrik's. I'm not even going to say that one. And Henrik, I think that you need to to tweet us back to set up because look at this. We we have got completely different takes on your question. Well, let's go to the first bit. Which is not a question. How to handle insecurity? We can do that. We'll go. We'll 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 get some clarification from. From Hemrick, although he has just been on the show, so I don't know if he can, oh, he's gone. Um, but uh, how, <laughs> the, how the handling insecurity bit, we can probably we can talk about that because we've all all writers feel insecure at some point or another. I felt it's I've talked about this before, but it sounds crazy even every time I think about it. Since getting my book published, I have felt much more insecure as a writer, and I don't know why, uh, but it's definitely true. It's probably got to do with with various life events and 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 pressure and expectation, all those kinds of things. But it's true. I, I don't mind admitting it. And I think that probably other people who've got their book published have struggled with the second one in terms of their feeling a bit insecure about it all. Um, and and how to handle it is 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 really is to try and focus on a couple of things. First first thing I always think about. Um, in, in, you have to try and remember remember your past successes. So in my case, I always remember that's that Ricky Gervais quote that I've talked about before, where he where people were saying, "Oh, you know, extras, it's not as good as The Office," and he went, oh, "That's all right, I wrote The Office." Um, and it's the idea that you know if you've done something well or successful in the past, and I'm sure that Henrik has written something great, uh, a number of things, I'm sure, is to remember that you can do it you've done it before you can do it or even if you I don't think I don't think Henrik's asking about that because of the, the second part to this question and I, that's what I said earlier I said I don't think this is about um insecurities about feedback or putting yourself out there we'll go, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll go on go. no that's what I, I already answered that you started talking about parts that. yes because I thought that it was about writing from not introspectively, as he said here, unintrospectively. Yeah, I cannot... It's a bit some double negatives going on that I think of throwing this. <laughs> <laughs> I cannot make myself write unintrospectively for the fear of sounding too presumptuous. Yeah, like that you are making assumptions about... Like when you're writing about somebody who lives in a different country, that you are... Maybe you're stereotyping what it's like to live in that country because you don't actually live in that country and you don't have the cultural... Uh, background to bring to it all the experience okay. that is what i was talking about and that is why i was talking about men's genitals and i think that i was perfectly justified in in bringing them up <laughs> <laughs> and i think that's a really really interesting question because we we have actually talked before about you know um how to write in a way that doesn't involve you at all is quite difficult whether you would write from you would write a female character in your novel well, yeah, I'm going to have a female lead in the new novel. 
not not the lead lead, but fairly important. Uh, you know, I think it's. I don't. I don't. I don't think that's a huge problem. I think it's. I think subject matter is much more difficult. But then you can research those things. Mm. Yeah, but then you have to research as well, or you have to know something about another life if you're going to write about another life. Well, yeah, absolutely. That's true. It's true. Mm. But, but you know, what are books? That's that's what characters. That's what characters are. They're other lives, aren't they? Yeah, and how do you how do you go about getting that experience of another person's life to be able to make it sound realistic? You just you have to research. You have to you have to look into it and uh, and maybe speak to people who have been in the situation that you're writing about or who have lived the type of life that you're writing about. Yeah, so you don't necessarily need to dress up as a woman if you're going to write a female character. <laughs> I'm just thinking about Daniel Day Lewis if he was writing a book with a female character in the lead, I'm pretty sure he would have a sex change in order to do it. He's very committed. <laughs> it wasn't, excuse me, wasn't he in, um, he's always been in, he's been in drag before in films, hasn't he? Ooh, I don't think so. I, it wouldn't be a pretty sight if he had been. That's an interesting question. <laughs> well, the places we go with our listeners' questions, honestly. Indeed, or, well, all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Quite. I, th- I, f- I, f- I actually feel the need to apologise for the last ten minutes of podcasting uh, uh, shamblesness. No, I, well, I think we've we've thought about a lot of different things, and we've been very introspective. We've been looking inside ourselves a little bit about what we, how we interpret things. I think that's good. Um, can you believe that we're? I mean, this has literally taken us nearly to the end of the podcast. <laughs> I can believe it. <laughs> Oh dear! I mean, we had topics and all sorts of things that we were going to talk about. Do you have anything um, slightly shorter and newsy-ish that you would like to share? Yeah, let's share. Let's talk about Noveller because I've had a Noveller on my um, to talk about list for about the last eight episodes. Um, so, shall I talk about Noveller? Mention that. Go for it. Noveller, spelled N-O-V-L-R, um, is a new writing platforms like a new app um um and when i was first going to mention it it was uh, it had a kickstarter campaign so it, it it exists it has a beta version which people can sign up for um now and i've i've signed up and i've had a look and played around um and the kickstarter campaign was to try and um I guess get the funding that they need in order to kind of build and 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 add the kind of extra features, um, features which, to be honest, I think it needs. But um, but still, they unfortunately weren't successful with the Kickstarter campaign. Um, but they have since decided to kind of press ahead with it because it already you know, it already exists, um, and they're looking at other ways of funding it, including starting. I think they're giving out lifetime memberships to people who sign up early if you pay kind of a reduced sum then you can just have it forever um uh, it's a web-based uh app and um it's a bit like scrivener but really stripped back and i say that as a positive way because so though scrivener is fantastic um it's very very complicated and very complex it, you know really powerful does lots of things if you just want to have something that's has the same principle which is that you can have all your documents in one place and they are easily sortable, and you can move them around, and um, uh, and and have them kind of on screen at once in a kind of nice, presentable way, as opposed to like a load of word documents stored in a folder somewhere. 
um, that's it's kind of, that's what it does. It kind of provides that facility really, really well. The features that it plans to get in the future are things like exporting in different ways. Um, uh, you can have more than one novel tied to your account, which is obviously going to be important. Um, and you can do things like character profiles, which is something that Scrivener usually does. So they have loads of plans for it. I think it's worth checking out if you write not just novels, but if you like, if you write anything that's kind of long form. Um, and I will include a link in the show notes. I am going to do a quick search as I talk to give you the right address. I want to make sure I get it right. Okay, so it's novela.org. That's N-O-V-L-R.org. And um, yeah, it's currently in uh, open beta and um, it's uh, quite pretty as well. So it's uh, it's really kind of nice, very nice fontage, nice mm. typeface being used. I don't think it's Calibri. Hmm. Um, but oh, it's what a surprise. Certainly quite pretty. Um, so, yeah, so I have a look, see what you think, and if you want to show your support and help them press on and make this into something that's uh, a bit more robust and, uh, and on the market, then uh, do so. That's Great. it. And you can find the link in our show notes, which will be at um, 5by5.tv slash WFYL slash 135. That's it. I would just like to finish by saying next week, Ian, I would really like to talk about writing for the web, if possible. Could we do that next week? We could talk about writing for the web. Great. Um, that sounds lovely. I look forward to it. So um, until then, you can catch me on at The Flying Poet on Twitter. And you can get me at Ian Broom, I-A-I-N-B-R-O-O-M-E, or you can email Ian at writeforyourlife.net. Brilliant. We'll see you next time, everyone. Will do. Bye-bye.